Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thanks for downloading the John Kintura Show On Demand. And remember, you can always listen to my show as well as on-demand audio from Ben and Woods, Gwen and Chris, and other Intercom San Diego stations using the Radio.com app. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Live from America's finest city, it's the John Cantera Show. Oh, doctor! Now, here's the coach, John Cantera, on 97.3 The Fan. Well, already hour number three of the program on a Wednesday. Hope everyone's uh, safe, uh, happy, and healthy out there as we uh, work our way uh, through this pandemic. Hopefully, we're going to get uh, more and more businesses open here uh, in the next uh, few days and into next week, and we can keep moving through the different phases so we can get back to some semblance of uh, normalcy. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here in Solana Beach, and, and I'm watching uh, two people uh, that live uh, right down the street from me. They're on their way uh, down surfing. Uh, the beaches in Solana Beach opened yesterday, or actually Monday, and uh, good to see uh, people going out and uh, getting some exercise, uh, getting back to surfing, all that good stuff, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to get these bars and restaurants and all these small businesses up and running here uh, sooner rather than later. We're making progress, but keep doing what we're doing, and hopefully uh, we can uh, uh, move uh, through these phases uh, quickly but uh, very safely. Uh, topic today, and not, I'm not making a big deal out of it because I don't think anybody can argue with me on this, and that's Willie Mays' 89th birthday, the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. Does anybody disagree with that? We've had two callers today said, no, you can't disagree with it. Now, we've had uh, the Mayor and Ramona, uh, he weighed in today, and the Mayor and Ramona saying, Babe Ruth. Well, yeah, if you want to throw in his pitching, he wasn't the everyday player that uh, a guy like, Willie Mays was. Now I realize that Babe Ruth, you know, he hit 714 home runs. He hit 342 uh, off the top of my head as a batting average. But he didn't steal the bases like Willie Mays. He wasn't the defensive player like Willie Mays. He couldn't run the bases from first to third like Willie Mays. Willie Mays is the greatest player. And I don't, you, I don't care. You want to talk about Barry Bonds? He, not, he wasn't a great uh, defensive player. He was good. He wasn't great. He may have won a gold glove because he was a great offensive player. I don't know. I'd have to look up and see how many gold gloves Bonds actually won. He had a, a, a weenie arm out there in left field. His arm wasn't very good, but he could hit the ball nine miles, especially after uh, he beefed up a little bit. He could really hit the ball. I remember the day he hit that uh, short hop to the uh, big uh, scoreboard in right field there at Qualcomm Stadium. I mean, it was a mammoth blow, but he not Willie Mays. Anybody out there, give me a name. Not Hank Aaron, not Roberto Clemente. There's nobody in the same uh, hemisphere than Willie Mays because he could do it all, all fa- all five phases of the game, run, hit, hit with power, throw, field. 
Willie Mays was by far the best. If you want to uh, talk about it, give me a call at 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973 for you Angel fans. And I'm an Angel fan. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a, an American League Angel fan. If the Padres are playing the Angels, I'm rooting for the Padres. But the American League team has always been the Angels because when I was a little kid growing up, Jim Fergosi was my favorite player because we didn't have a major league team in San Diego. So the American League team has always been the Angels for me. But if they play the Padres, there's no doubt who I'm rooting for. Uh, I'm rooting for the Padres. But from time to time, I like to talk Angel baseball because I know there are a lot of people here in San Diego uh, and, uh, you know, in our listening audience that follow the Angels. So uh, for your pleasure, coming up at 235, Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register who covers the Angels, he will join us on the program. Okay, I want to get into the Clippers here in a minute. But uh, I wanted to play a soundbite for you because I mentioned Ben and Woods had Steve Kerr, and we played a few of those uh, soundbites from the morning show uh, towards the end of this past hour. Then we had to get to bench the coach. But there was one that I was real intrigued to hear because I didn't hear it this morning, and that was Steve Kerr when he was asked by Ben and Woods, talk about the influence that Phil Jackson has had on you. Oh, he played a a huge uh, role in – my career, especially, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, had spent five years in the league before I got to Chicago, and I was I was close to being out of the league at that point. And uh, the Bulls were just the perfect uh, fit for me running that triangle offense. I'd watched John Paxson for years, and I loved what Paxson did, and I felt like I could maybe play a similar role. And so running the triangle and meeting Phil and Tex Winter, his assistant, uh, it was just the, the, the break I needed in the NBA. And uh, to play for Phil for, for those five years, he, he was just an incredible coach. The way he communicated, the way he connected with all of us. And I've taken uh, a ton from, from him and uh, taken it into my own a coaching style, and uh, I learned so much from him. Just watching him every day communicate with the group, and and uh, I, I feel like I've been probably as lucky as anybody on the face of the earth when it comes to uh, you know mentors. Uh, Lou Olson in college, and Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Lenny Wilkins, you know, uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons. I, I mean, That's I have played big, for these some good names there. Coaches. Yeah, some really good yeah. lexicon of good basketball. pedigree there. Well, uh, good uh, comments there by uh, Steve Kerr. I thought you might enjoy uh, hearing those. Okay, can the Clippers make some noise in L.A. with a new arena? They just purchased the uh, uh, land where the Great Western Forum uh, uh, has stood for many years there in Inglewood. And my take on this, and Braden, I'll bring you in on this, is, yeah, I think they can uh, get their own little fan base. I think they have their own little fan base now. The problem is when they play the Lakers, Laker fans, I think, maybe uh, gobble up a bunch of the tickets, and it's always like a Lakers home game uh, there at the Staples Center. But if you move them down to Inglewood, that being the Clippers, you, you build a brand-new arena, it's going to be trendy, it's going to be fun, and people are going to go there for a while, and as long as they're competitive with Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard and Doc Rivers, who's a colorful coach, Yeah, I think they can make some inroads, but you know what? Unless they win a world title, and even if they win a world title, Braden, 
it's still going to be a Lakers town. I, I Nobody's going to argue that. I mean, the Lakers have been there, you know, since the late 50s. And at the end of the day, there's just so much history. I mean, uh, starting with their broadcaster, Chick Hearn, who, you know, really put the Lakers on the map back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And he broadcast forever and then all the great talent. The only way the Clippers are going to make inroads is they'll have their own arena, they'll get their own little fan base, the tickets will be cheaper to go to their games than the Laker games, but they're going to have to win, and they're going to have to win big for a long period of time for for them really to make, I think, a dent in the um, uh, sports world in Los Angeles. I really don't think it's going to impact that much. I mean, what are they going to do, be better than, like, the uh, Chargers? I mean, they're already, like, ahead of them in terms of the L.A. landscape. Uh, If they want to make any type of noise, I don't think they're going to make that much noise, even though they got a brand-new stadium. Does it help? Yes, it definitely helps, but I don't think it's going to matter. L.A. is a Laker and a Dodgers town first, and then you can start throwing in some other teams before you even get down to the Clippers, uh, which is still drastically way better than uh, a lot of other teams that are in Los Angeles. Uh, I think it's a good start, but, again, I I don't think – just because the population of L.A. is big enough to have multiple sports teams, I'm still not a buyer in the, the quality of having uh, you know, this, your own, uh, own venue and the fact that you're going to have the same amount of uh, love for uh, the secondary L.A. teams as you are the primary L.A. teams. I mean, you go to New York, I mean, the Jets and the Giants, I mean, I wouldn't say it's even, but, I mean, there's, you go to a Jets game, it's not like they're struggling to have people go to their games compared to Giants. Uh, game. Same with the Yankees and the Mets. Same with both uh, Chicago teams and baseball. I mean, a lot of the other you know big cities that could have multiple teams, uh, you don't even realize that they're in the same city, basically. And there's like a huge rivalry divided. Uh, when you get to Los Angeles, it's kind of like, yeah, here are here are the teams we actually root for, and here are some teams that are just kind of here that uh, you know some people maybe are interested in, but most of them are not really LA people. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, let's say we come back and finish the NBA season, and we go through the playoffs, and the Lakers and the uh, the uh, Clippers, they, they face off in the Western Conference, okay? I don't know if that's even possible. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at the standings and know, you know, the different seeds. But let's say that they end up facing off in the uh, uh, Western Finals, and the Clippers win, and they go in and they take down the Milwaukee Bucks, and they're the world champion. How's that going to go into next year? Are people going to clamor to go to Clipper games next year? Are they still going to say, oh, man, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they've got a year under their belt. Man, they're going to come back with a vengeance. They're going to take down uh, the Clippers. They're going to win an NBA title. I mean, if the Clippers won a title this year, is it really going to make much of a difference in their attendance a year from now? No. I don't think they can win five straight titles. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, they're the Clippers. They're not... It's it's a Laker town. The Lakers could lose. The Lakers could lose the next twenty years, and the Clippers could win like fifteen straight championships. It's still going to be a Laker town. Uh, those Laker fans are diehard Laker fans, and I don't think they're going to just jump on the uh, uh, Clipper bandwagon just because they uh, you know had some experience and had some winning years. I mean, the Lakers have marked their territory in Los Angeles. The Clippers are just kind of there, uh, but it's they're still in a better situation than the other teams like the Chargers. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's. I would make. I mean, there's way more Clippers fans in Los Angeles than there are Angels fans in Los Angeles. I mean, Angels fans are mostly Orange County, but uh, they go by the Los Angeles Angels to try to take some of the LA fans down uh, to to go to American League game, uh, which is you know a marketing idea. But when, when you think about the Angels, does anybody really think of the Angels as being LA? I certainly don't think them as being LA. You know the the Angels. They've tried so hard in a lot of different ways. They've made a lot of mistakes. I think in marketing their ball club, and they've made a lot of mistakes in uh, selecting players for their ball club. And for me right now, the Angels are just kind of out there. 
I mean, uh, you know, they, they're not a lot. I mean, they got so many talented players. They don't have enough of pitching. But, you know, Artie Moreno, I think, has spent a lot of money. I think he's done a lot of good things. But, boy, the last few years, they've made a lot of mistakes, I think, in the way they market their ball club. Uh, their uniforms aren't all that uh, sexy. Um, I don't know. I, the Angels are just kind of there. Uh, uh, another team in the National League West right, or in the American League West right now because they haven't been overly competitive in about five years. That's true. I mean, aside from Mike Trout, they really have no reason to pay attention to Angels games at all. Uh, I, I like the Angels too. I'm like you. I mean, that, that's like, uh, you know, if I had a second team, it would be the Angels. Now, if they played the Padres, I'm not getting excited if the Angels win. And uh, I'm not going to go buy an Angels World Series t shirt if they win. But it's a team that I, I don't mind because, uh, you know, they're Orange County, it's American League and I don't mind seeing them do well. But aside from you know just noticing their stadium, when I drive up to Disneyland or pass to go to L.A., it's like you, sometimes you forget about the Angels just based on you know what they've done in the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Yes, I know they won a, a World Series in 02. It's been a long time since then. Uh, and aside from Mike Trout, they really haven't had anything going for them. And Mike Trout's kind of been like their, uh, their one-man wrecking crew uh, up there in Anaheim. I, I think, I mean, they've had so many different name changes, too. They have, you know, the Anaheim Angels, the California Angels, they're originally the Los Angeles Angels, now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which turned into just the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, to me, if, if I was in, I mean, I'm not in charge. I don't make marketing decisions. I, I, if I'm the Angels, I go back to being the California Angels. I never change it ever again. Oh, absolutely, and I go back to the Angel uniforms uh, back uh, during the Don Baylor, uh, Bobby Gritch, uh, Jerry Remy era uh, back in uh, probably uh, probably somewhere in the 70s. They had some of the sweetest uniforms uh, in baseball, and then Artie Moreno came over, and I know he, you know, he's from Arizona, likes that red look, but you know, how many teams in baseball are red? I mean, seriously. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you'd go a different direction. Yeah, it's, I. Uh... I, honestly, I know you're not a big fan of the uniforms. I don't mind the Angels' uniforms, uh, to be quite honest with you. But I've, I've never understood why a team that could be called, they can call themselves uh, the uh, the state and then the team. I don't know why you would ever go from being the California Angels to a city uh, Angels. And I know you want to be like representative of your city, but like if you're the Texas Rangers, why would you ever be called the Arlington or the Arlington Rangers? Uh, I I know Miami made a made a fuss with uh, the Marlins. It's like, hey, we'll build you a stadium. We got to go by the Miami Marlins. I'm the Florida Marlins, man. I, I'm I'm not changing to Miami unless I absolutely have to because we're the entire state. If you're if you're the Angels, why wouldn't you want to be like the 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 entire state? Um, team and just be like we're the california angels and then and then you got people i know people don't root for teams because of this but it gives a lot more people uh you know an, an ability to root for the angels when they're called the california angels or the southern california angels that is something i think the chargers should have done if they moved to los angeles because i i guarantee you i don't necessarily know i would still be a chargers fan but i would be a little bit more of a chargers fan this might be is kind of petty but i would be a little bit more of a chargers fan if they were called the southern california chargers and played in los angeles than being called the los angeles chargers you know, once upon a time, there was a team in the World Football League. It didn't last all that long, but it was called the Southern California Sun, and they played at Anaheim Stadium. Yeah, you know, realistically, going back to the California Angels makes the most sense to me rather than the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That, that's just way too long. Yeah, it's way too long, and now they ditched the Anaheim parts, so and now they're just the Los Angeles Angels. So it's like everybody, all their fans 
that are in Orange County that don't want to be associated with Los Angeles hate it, and they're all they're trying to do is appeal to like the very small percentage of fans in LA that aren't Dodger fans, which I don't even know if that exists, to try to have them be LA Angels fans. It makes no sense to me. It's like it's like the same thing with like what the Chargers did. Hey, we got all these fans in San Diego that love rooting for us, and we're the San Diego Chargers, but we're going to move up to LA for like this small uh, contingent of people that might root for us if we're called the LA Chargers. It makes no sense to me. Uh, well, I know the uh, marketing people for the Angels, they've been at it a long time, and they probably have made a lot of inroads. Uh, boy, if you're a Charger uh, advertising uh, uh, salesperson, uh, you know, uh, I-, I wish you the best of luck because I can't imagine you're real high on the pecking order when you go into uh, some of these executive offices right now after that uh, Loyola Marymount um, uh <laughs> thing came out a couple of weeks ago when you finished behind the L.A. Sparks. That's not good. Hey, I want to remind everyone you can tune into our Padres Social Hour tonight and uh, every night, Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m. with our man Jesse Agler right here on 97.3 The Fan. With that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we were talking a little bit about this guy earlier, and uh, we talked about this quarterback yesterday, Jadavian Clowney or Cam Newton. Who signs first? Where do they end up? We'll talk about that when we return to the John Contreras Show right here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. At 2.21 as we uh, rock and roll all the way to 3 o'clock, then we'll turn it over to Gwen and Chris. I'll be with you uh, 3 to 7. we got Jesse Agler coming along tonight at 7 o'clock with Padre Social Hour. Again, that show runs Monday through Thursday. And uh, just want to remind everyone, you can join 97.3 The Fan Friday mornings at 10 a.m. for our virtual game of the week presented by Sonic Drive-In. Each week, The Fan will stream a simulation of MLB The Show 20 on our Facebook page at 97.3 The Fan. And like to thank uh, Sonic Drive-Ins of San Diego for bringing back baseball to San Diego. Sonic Drive-In, eight locations here in the uh, San Diego area to uh, serve you. We're going to get to Jadavian Clowney, Cam Newt in a minute again. Uh, we also have have our uh, only guest of the program today. We saved the best for last at 2:35. Uh, Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register. We will talk uh, Angel Baseball. Want to get out to the phones? So a lot of people are wanting to chime in. If you'd like to be a part of it, 833-288-0973. 833-288-0973. We head out to La Mesa. Got to be cooking out there today. Matt, welcome to 97.3 The Fan. How are you, my friend? Good. What's going on, Coach? Ah, just trying to stay cool. I'd imagine it's pretty uh, toasty at your place today. Yeah, mid nineties, but you know we suffered <laughs> through it, and you know there you have it. Upper yeah. New York's getting snow, so you know we'll deal with it. Yeah, what do you got for um, me today? Well, you guys were talking about the Los Angeles Angels that, as you remember, were the California Angels, then became the Anaheim Angels, and if anybody did any research on, um languages, they would know that the Los Angeles Angels are actually the Angels Angels. And it's when they, I understand why they made that marketing move to appeal to a bigger audience, but you're not going to knock, you're not going to knock down that LA Dodger door. I mean, it's just too big. I've been to a few Padre games at Dodger Stadium and it's, it's an amazing experience. And that is a team that loves its big blue wrecking crew through and through. So it's it's a great place to visit, uh, but I wouldn't want to live there. Hey, Matt, would you agree with me? They had to go back to being called the California Angels. 
They should, yeah, because if I don't know who's in the marketing department for the Angels, but they should have done some research before they came out with the Los Angeles Angels, because basically that's the Angels Angels. Well, I think uh, the research was uh, basically uh, her owner, Artie Moreno, said this is the way it's going to be, and I don't think there was a whole lot of research done behind it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Well, hey, man, I appreciate the phone call. Anytime, Coach, love listening to you. Love, love listening to you, and every time you throw out an odd name like Johnny Grubb brings me back to my childhood, so thank you so much. All righty, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh, you have a great day, and uh, stay cool out there. Uh, good stuff right there. That does open up a line. Love to get to a lot of phone calls. Our number, 833 2880 833 2880 973 Again, uh, download that Radio.com app so you don't miss any of our programs, whether it be The Morning, Ben and Woods, yours truly, Gwen and Chris. Uh, make sure you download the Radio.com app and favorite 97.3 The Fan. Let's go down to the South Bay. Chula Vista, Jay, you're next up with Coach Jock and Tara on 97.3 The Fan. How are you today? I'm doing good, Coach. How about yourself? I'm doing real well. Thanks for the phone call. Hope you're well. Yeah, I am. Coach, you hit the nail on the head with that Willie Mays thing, you know. You got me looking at stats and stuff. And, you know, I grew up about the same <laughs> age looking at the great Frank Robinson, Mickey Mallon, you know, Clemente. And none of those guys did the thing Mays did, you know. He was the first 30-30 guy. The guy led the league and stole the bases for years. And because of that great combination of power and speed, he even led the league in triple for three years. You know, that guy was just – he was just the best player I've ever been. Uh, watching Willie Mays play the outfield was, you know, beyond unbelievable. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I know Ken Griffey Jr. was fantastic – and, but I'll tell you the guy that I thought was a great center fielder, and he won 10 gold gloves. He probably won't make it into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, when I start looking at center fielders all time, Griffey's there. Mays is the best. But I'll tell you the guy that I liked, and there are people probably in our listening audience remember this guy. He played a lot of years with the Atlanta Braves, and that's Andrew Jones. Now, you know, he hit a ton of home runs, didn't hit 500 home runs, but he could really play that center field. But Willie Mays played it with so much uh, grace, and he had a great throwing arm. And, of course, uh, we can't forget the old basket catch he used to make out there all the time. Yeah, you're right. But you're right. You hit the nail on the head by Andre Jones. That guy was spectacular, you know, seeing him going deep in old Fortin County Stadium, taking home runs away from guys. He was some kind of great defensive center fielder. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and disparage guys like Hank Yearn and, and Roberto Clemente because, I mean, they're they're Hall of Famers. They were unbelievable baseball players. But, you know, they didn't have all the five tools that Willie Mays had. You're absolutely right. That guy, he was good in all five of them. So thanks for taking my call, Coach, and y'all have a good day. All right, Jay. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that phone call. Before we get to the bottom of the hour, and again, we're going to talk Angel Baseball with Jeff Fletcher coming up uh, at 2.35. Before we get out of here, we'll get you the Hang a Star uh, play of the day. Uh, Braden, uh, we were talking uh, earlier about Jadavian Clowney. still talking with Seattle, uh, brought his price down from $20 million, somewhere now in the neighborhood of 17 and $18 million. And yesterday with uh, Clark Judge from Talk of Fame Network, we uh, talked about Cam Newton a little bit, and, you know, kind of the question out there, those are the two big guys right now that are still out on the free agent market, and who's going to sign first, and where are they going to end up? And, and right now, my my answer is, I don't know, and I don't know. I think uh, if I had to make a guess, I would go with Clowney. 
Uh, I know there's reports coming out today that's very rare they signed to the Seahawks, but I, I think honestly, uh, if I had to make a bet, I, I would go Clowney and I would go with the Seahawks because I think that's the uh, uh, in the in the circumstances that they're in right now. I mean, it's better probably for him to just re-sign uh, with his own team uh, or the team that he was on last year. I know that they uh, there's a mutual interest. It definitely has to do with uh, money, uh, and we'll see how much uh, money the uh, Seahawks try to get out of uh, Jadavion Clowney and how much uh, Jadavion Clowney ends up wanting uh, to. Try try to play uh, with the Seattle Seahawks because it sounds like even the number that they gave that uh, Clowney uh, knocked down to to 17 million is still too high for the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks uh, so I'm curious to see how that plays out but if I had to pick I had to pick I'd, I'd probably pick Clowney uh, there's a, a, a select few amount of teams that still need a quarterback at this point uh, you can make the argument that the Patriots might be able to sign Cam Newton because uh, they didn't address the uh, the quarterback position at all during the draft uh, they're, they're, they're rolling with Jared Stidham as of this point and there's a couple other uh, you know teams out there that might need a quarterback like Cam Newton, but uh, I, for me, I think it's easier for teams to sign Jadavion Clowney because it, who doesn't need an extra defensive lineman uh, as expensive as he is? Where you know quarterbacks are, uh, you know that's a position that uh, a lot of teams one already have or uh, you know two have made decisions on already. So I, I, I'm going to go with Clowney in, in terms of who signs first. Where does he end up? I, again, I, I think the best. I think. Uh, the most likely scenario is still Seattle, even though uh, it sounds like it's not uh, and, until anybody else kicks the tires on Jadavian Clowney. That's what I'm going to have to go with. Yeah, well, I've not heard uh, anybody else, uh, you know, really in the running for him. I've heard a lot out of uh, Seattle last couple of weeks. Uh, first of all, Pete Carroll's a perfect coach for Jadavian Clowney. That's number one. Number two, the leader of that football team, Russell Wilson, came out two weeks ago and was almost pleading with Jadavian Clowney to sign. So we'll see where it goes. I think he ends up back in Seattle. Now, as far as Cam Newton, Cam Newton's comments about three weeks ago when he put out that tape coming back from the Liz Frank injury that he's healthy, they're showing him running around, throwing this and that, uh, all that's good. But I don't think anybody's going to uh, sign Cam Newton without seeing him in person, in a workout, and see what he can bring to the table. He's 31 years of age. He's been beaten up uh, pretty good. He's not the same player. Doesn't have the, the legs that he once had. Uh, not an accurate passer. Uh, I can't. You mentioned, you know, the Patriots, you know, and Jared Stidham, and, and they got Brian Hoyer. Uh, I can't see him actually playing for Bill Belichick. Maybe it's just me. Maybe Belichick will sign him tomorrow, okay? I can't necessarily see him play for the uh, New England Patriots, even though I think they do need a, a veteran quarterback. And I thought Andy Dalton would have been a good fit, to be honest with you, with the New England Patriots. I've said a lot of guys I didn't think would play for the Patriots who ended up playing for the Patriots. I, I, to me, I don't really I, – I think the Patriots are – they, they – uh, they take chances on anybody, so I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Patriots were able to grab Cam Newton, but I'm not sure. Uh, we do have some news coming out of uh, CIF Southern section in terms of football for next year. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with when football starts, but the CIF Southern section executive committee votes 22 to nothing and recommends passage of the new football playoff proposal. Council will decide May 21st. Under that proposal in the Southern section, which is the majority of California, teams would be placed in divisions based on current season power rankings at the end of the regular season. Season. Uh, so the divisions will get all uh, uh, changed around at the end. So if uh, you're in a lower division and you have a really good year, you might get bumped up for the playoffs. That's how uh, the Southern section is going to do their playoffs from here on out. Whatever. Okay. I mean, we'll probably end up doing that here in San Diego. I'm not a big fan of some of these power rankings. I'm a fan of the power rankings. I think the enrollment thing is crap. 
That's my own opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think at the beginning of the year, you got to know what division you're playing in, and you go from there. And then they want to change it to next year, fine. But you can't be moving these teams up and down during the season. Uh, I, uh, I I would agree with that. Uh, the Southern section's weird, though, because they have so many elite teams at the top. Uh, that uh, that's just different, and they're 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 they got so many teams in the playoffs, so many playoffs up there uh, that they can probably pull this off more than San Diego did. If San Diego did that, I would be uh, I wouldn't be upset, but I would be against. For a live video session each and every uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right here at 97.3 The Fan SD. Uh, ben and Woods, they do theirs on Monday at 9.15. I did mine today at 11.15. Some great questions again. Uh, Gwen and uh, Chris will do theirs Friday at 2.15. Remember, 97.3 The Fan is helping San Diego stay connected. For more info, go to radio.com slash stay connected. So we all stay connected on 97.3 The Fan. Well, I appreciate all the great phone calls today. We'll Willie Mays' 89th birthday, and we're going to continue to talk baseball here, our final segment of the program. We talked a little bit about the Angels today, and uh, we're joined by a great writer, a man who does a great job covering the Angels for the Orange County Register. Uh, Jeff Fletcher joins me on our SDCCU fan hotline. Jeff, welcome. I hope you and uh, the family are all well, and uh, uh, hopefully we get uh, back to baseball here before too long. Yeah, thanks. We're all doing good. Just uh, I think my family's ready to get rid of me and uh, send me out to some baseball games. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. I think that my wife, I've been broadcasting. This is my sixth week uh, broadcasting from home, and uh, she's saying, I think I hear the station calling you. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to get back there, uh, be safe. We're going to be able to get down to Petco Park and for you, uh, Angel Stadium. Uh, let me ask you this. How difficult uh, has it been for you to do your job uh, since spring training closed down and you had to come back home and basically uh, uh, sit at home day in and day out, you still have to, uh, you know, bring things to the table regarding the, uh, the uh, Orange County Register each and every day. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult, obviously, to try to, to come up with different stories to write. Uh, I haven't had something every day, obviously, but, uh, you know, I try as much as I can to, to write about, you know, what the players are doing during this break, how the team's preparing, you know, and, uh, sort of looking ahead at uh we don't really have a lot of answers but uh i do the best i can hey jeff let me ask you this uh you know they you were over there with them uh in arizona for the first four weeks i mean how was spring training going under joe madden uh you know it's i don't read too much into spring training every spring training is the same whether you're coming off winning the world series or you're the worst team in baseball spring training is pretty much spring training for everybody so uh i think that Joe Madden had a pretty laid back attitude. They were, they were not having a lot of meetings like they used to have. But, uh, you know, beyond that, it was, you know, pretty much standard spring training. I think they were optimistic about the season, just like every other team. Uh, Jeff Fletcher, the Orange County Register, talking Angel Baseball with us here on 97.3, the fan. Uh, what is Joe Madden and his staff doing right now? Are they having Zoom meetings with coaches, players? Uh, how are they staying in contact with everybody? What, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think they are doing some Zoom meetings, and uh, Joe Madden, last I heard, was in, living in Arizona still in his RV, and I uh-huh. think he was uh, he's doing Zoom meetings with the other coaches, with the players, with the front office. Uh, he's even talking to, like, college kids every once in a while to kind of, you know, help them out. So he's, uh, he's definitely filling his days with uh, lots of uh, digital meetings. 
I would think uh, for a writer, a guy like Joe Madden uh, coming in, uh, you got to be kind of looking forward to covering him on a daily basis. Yeah, he's definitely got lots of stories. Uh, you can ask him about anything, and he's he's got a good perspective on it. Uh, he can definitely fill up your notebook. Sometimes the problem is he gets off on tangents talking about the uh, – the 1987 Angels, instead of uh, talking about the, the question that you asked, but uh, but that's you know, it's, uh, I'd rather have a guy that says too much than a guy who says too little. Uh, very well put. Hey, let me ask you this uh, about Madden and talk a little bit about the staff that he's put together because uh, you know every manager uh, and of course he comes in he making big money and maybe not making the money that uh, you know some of the uh, it was in Chicago he's still making a good chunk of money here uh, but normally organizations say well you can have this guy you can have that guy it was he able to bring in pretty much everybody he wanted to bring in or did the organization want a couple of their guys still on the staff. Well, they did keep a few guys. Uh, they had Jeremy Reed, the hitting coach, was back. Uh, Mike Gallego, who was the third base coach last year, is back as the bench coach. Uh, the first base coach, Jesus Feliciano, is still there. But they brought in a different uh, assistant hitting coach, John Malee. Uh, and the, the big addition was pitching coach Mickey Calloway, who had been the Mets manager the last couple of years. He had a very successful run as an Indians pitching coach. He pitched briefly for the Angels when Madden was the bench coach, so they had a little relationship. And I think that he's one of the big reasons that the Angels are, are hoping that their pitching can improve, which obviously it has to, uh, is because of Mickey Calloway. And his, his track record was uh, outstanding with Indians, and they're, they're really hoping that he can make a difference with some of their young guys. Uh, give me an update on uh, Shohei Otani. What are you hearing? Because now that the season's been delayed, who knows? He may be able to, you know, go into fairly into that rotation fairly quickly. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, they had planned for him to start pitching in games in mid-May, and and the reason for that was not necessarily that he wasn't physically ready. It was just that they he was going to be on an innings limit this year because he missed basically a season and a half pitching, and they didn't want to have a Steven Strasburg situation where you run out of innings before the end of the year. So they were just going to start him late. And uh, now, obviously, the season is going to start late, so he should be ready to pitch whenever they're ready to play games. So he should be in the rotation for all of whatever season that we have this year. Yeah, we're visiting with Jeff Fletcher, uh, talking Angel baseball. Uh, Jeff does a great job covering the uh, Angels for the Orange County Register. What's it like covering Otani on a daily basis? Uh, well, it's definitely always something to uh, to write about. It's, it's, it's still hard to believe that, that one guy – can not just be capable of being a major league pitcher or major league hitter. You know, there's, you know, you hear like Madison Bumgarner, oh, he's like a good hitter for a pitcher and, you know, that kind of thing. But, but Otani is actually above average at both things. And that is obviously nobody's done that since Babe Ruth. So, you know, I think we kind of forgot about that because he, you know, only did it for half a season in 2018. And since then we haven't really seen him as a two-way player. So I think it's going to be a kind of a reminder for everybody when they do start playing games to see what this guy can do on both sides, and uh, it was pretty incredible. Hey, Jeff, how's he coming along? Is he trying to learn English? Oh, yeah, I think his, I think he's learned a lot of English. He doesn't speak it to uh, the reporters because I think he prefers to have his interpreter just so there's no miscommunications. But uh, I do see him communicating with a lot of his teammates uh, frequently, and when we ask him questions in English – you can tell from his response that he understands the question that we're asking. So I'm sure that he's, he's learned a lot of English. And this Spanish. Is the final, you, this is the final uh, contract year for Albert Pujols, correct? 
Uh, no, 2021. This is last year. Oh, you got one more. Uh, you think yeah. he'll? Uh, you think he'll play both years? I mean, no. I know he wants to play this year. I know he probably wants to play next year. I mean, I even saw a report a week or so ago. He goes, "Hey, don't think I, I'm uh, going to retire after 2021." But hey, let's face it: the guy drives in a lot of runs, but he's not the same player. Yeah, I would be surprised if he's playing past 2021. And I, you know, nobody can see into the future, but uh, he is 40 years old. And, uh, you know, I think he, he might be spending some more time on the disabled list. I don't know that they would just release him or anything like that, but uh, I could definitely see him spending a little more time on the uh, the IL, I guess it is now, uh, between now and the end of the 2021 season. Uh, my question, he's had a tremendous impact on Trout, though, hadn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, really, he hasn't really performed on the field the way the Angels hoped, but I don't think anybody has any issues with what he's done in the clubhouse and his impact on the other players and even some of the pitchers, like some of the young pitchers that he's talked to. Uh, in spring training, Jose Suarez was telling me how Albert Pujols pulled him aside and really helped him out a lot. So I don't think anybody has any qualms about you know the impact he's had in that sense. We're visiting with Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register talking Angels baseball. Uh, I know you said you don't put a lot of stock in, in, in spring training and, and all that, but uh, were there some guys that were kind of opening your eyes a little bit? Maybe uh, they aren't uh, the typical guys that we always talk about when we talk about the Angels? Gosh, you know, the spring training we had seems like a million years away. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to even remember. Generally, I, I forget spring training pretty much the minute the season starts, and this year there's right. been even more reason to forget it. So uh, I know their starting pitching had actually performed better in general than uh, than people thought, and Dylan Bundy had a really good spring for the four games or whatever that he pitched. So, you know, you can read into that whatever you want, but uh, I tend to not read too much into anything that happens in spring training. What's the story health-wise regarding uh, Griffin Canning? He had a, a little elbow issue, and they, they did a bunch of tests, and they couldn't find any damage that would require surgery, so they just basically gave him an injection and had him rest. And he started throwing again uh, about three weeks ago or so, and I think he's probably getting on a mound here pretty soon, uh, if he hasn't already. And uh, I think that, you know, the normal progression, uh, he probably should be ready to at least have a full test, you know, whenever they're ready to have a spring training 2.0, uh, he should probably be ready to, to go and, and take it to the next level and face some hitters. And, and if obviously that increase in intensity causes something else to go wrong in his elbow, that's certainly a possibility. But, but right now he's, he's kind of on track to, uh, to be ready when, they, uh, when they're ready to play. I know we're all ready for baseball. You know, I stayed up late the other night uh, and watched the KBO uh, uh, play. Uh, that game got uh, rain delayed for about a half hour. But I know the Angel fans are chomping at the bit to, you know, see Trout and see uh, Otani. But they're also excited about seeing Anthony Rendon uh, in an Angels uniform. What kind of spring was he having? Uh, he was having a spring. I mean, he was... <laughs> Like I said, it's it's spring training, and it doesn't really mean much, but uh, I don't think anybody has any questions about the kind of player he's going to be and the, the way he's going to produce. He's one of the best all-around players in baseball, and uh, they would love to see him in the middle of the lineup with Mike Trout, and uh, I think they're all they're pretty excited to have him. Hey, when is uh, Mike Trout's uh, wife uh, giving birth? Uh, getting pretty close? August. The baby's doing August. August, okay. Okay, very good. Well, we'll uh, definitely uh, be uh, waiting on that. Uh, last question for you. Billy Epler, he's a San Diego guy. 
been the general manager now for a few years, didn't have his uh, contract uh, option. I guess he's in his option year right now. Hasn't had his contract extended. This has got to be a big year for Billy. The Angels really need to do something dynamic for him to stay around another year, don't they? Yeah, I think that going into the season, everybody pretty much expected that they had to really show some improvement and, you know, maybe not necessarily make the playoffs, but they certainly had to be better and be in contention and kind of have the feeling of going in the right direction for him to be extended. Now, if this season ends up being like some weird shortened season and things still don't go very well, uh, I'm not sure that it's really fair to judge him on a season like that. But, uh, you know, it's obviously up to Artie Moreno. He's he's the owner. He's going to decide whether Billy stays or goes. But uh, But definitely this was a big year for him. Jeff, thank you so much. Stay safe. I'm glad uh, you get to spend some time with your family because once you get uh, rolling again, they're going to wish you were uh, around the house a little bit more. Enjoy it the best uh, you can. I'm sure they will as well. And thanks so much, as always, for the time. Always fun to have you on. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, there you go, uh, Jeff Fletcher, who covers the Angels for the Orange County Register. I mean, the one thing about pool holes is pool holes still drives in runs. I mean, he hits into double plays, and he's not the defender down at first base and is the DH. And, and like Jeff said, I mean, he goes, he may be spending more time on the IL. And that's not because he's injured. That's because they don't want him to play a whole lot, even though they're paying him a ton of money uh, this year and next year. So, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes for Albert Pujols. But he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I can tell you that. Nobody's going to argue that. I mean, that man has put up uh, some incredible numbers, incredible numbers. Hey, uh, by the way, tomorrow uh, we're going to have Jennifer Van Grove on from the Union Tribune. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Uh, she's been writing a couple of great articles. A lot of uh, news coming down regarding uh, the uh, stadium site uh, for the Aztecs going back and forth with the city of San Diego right now. Uh, she'll be able to update us because things are moving uh, not as quick for the city as it is for the Aztecs and San Diego State right now. They're trying to push it because they want to get a shovel in the ground, and the city is asking for more and more information, which that's their right. Uh, we'll uh, hear from uh, Jennifer Van Grove tomorrow on the program. We're also going to try to track down our buddy uh, uh, Bodie De Silva from uh, Scorebook Live. He put out last night on uh, Twitter uh, the all-time San Diego basketball team. You'll recall uh, he did this uh, a month or so ago on the all-time San Diego uh, baseball team, and he did a good job. I mean, he did a great job on that, and I think he did an outstanding job on the all-time basketball team. Uh, but there are a couple of guys i got to do a little research on tonight that weren't on that team that may have deserved to be on that team, but we're going to try to track Bodie De Silva down tomorrow uh, for the uh, program. But right now, before we get out of here and turn it over to Gwen and Chris, let's get to today's Hang a Star Play of the Day. What play separated the winners from the losers? It's time for the Hang a Star Play of the Day. You can hang a star on that, baby! A 97.3 The Fan. 6-5 Padres, two out, nobody on, bottom of the ninth. Looking for number 400, the 2-2. Fastball, strike three called, and he got it. Joe West says strike three called. Taguchi stands there staring, and all the Padres are coming out of the bullpen and the dugout to congratulate one of the most respected Padres and admired Padres literally in franchise history. Trevor Hoffman has his seventh save of the year. Trevor Hoffman has his 400th career save, and like a walk-off base hit, they're bouncing on the mound and chanting all around Trevor. Phil, he- Phil Nevin with his arm around him, hugging him, and I mean, they're all you can barely see Trevor around the group of Padres that are on the mound. 
That was the Hang a Star play of the day on the John Cantera Show on 97.3 The Fan. Boy, Braden, I'll tell you, that was an exciting night. I remember uh, Bob Scanlon and I were doing the postgame show. We were standing in center field, and as soon as uh, uh, Trevor uh, struck uh, Noguchi out to end the ball game, we ran down the street. I think we were doing the um, uh, postgame from Soleil at K, if I remember. And, and I'll never forget, uh, we were walking out of the ballpark, and we came back because we heard Trevor was in, and the security guard tried to stop me and Bob from coming in there on Tony Gwynn Drive. And we just ran by the security guard, watched the inning, and then we ran back to where we were at Soleil at K. So it was a pretty exciting night. And, uh, of course, uh, Trevor went on to uh, uh, great uh, things, uh, picking up uh, over 600 saves in his major league career. That was good stuff. Hey, good stuff out of Jeff Fletcher today. Uh, uh, there, he got a lot to cover, I think, uh, Braden, this year up there with Joe Madden and Otani and Trout and uh, watch and see how much uh, Albert Pujols ends up playing. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to uh... – uh, seeing how those storylines play out, of course, I'm looking forward to uh, baseball being back eventually. So hopefully it's uh, sooner rather than later. Okay, I want to remind everyone, all the guests on the John Contero Show come via the SDCCU fan hotline. SDCCU remains open. Rest assured, your funds are federally insured by the NCUA. And for details or to find a branch open near you, visit sdccu.com. Uh, a lot to get to tomorrow. Again, we're going to have uh, Jennifer Van Grove on from the Union Tribune. Uh, I thought it was interesting today in uh, I saw it on Twitter just before I came on the air. San Diego State is already going out and trying to sell sponsorships for the skyboxes. And they haven't even purchased the land. I, I realize it's getting close. I realize that they've got the money uh, to purchase the land, but the city hasn't sold it to them. Yet they're already going out and uh, saying that they're going to sell skyboxes. I find that to be a little bit odd, but hey. You know, a lot of things are odd nowadays, it seems like to me, uh, in the sports world. Uh, the other thing I saw, they came up with another Twitter account for people to keep track of uh, what's going on with the stadium. i got to tell you, I don't know how many of you have actually seen uh, the drawings for the stadium. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'd like to thank you for tuning in, calling in. Good show today. I'd like to thank my colleague, Braden Soprenit. Coach John Cantera, have a great afternoon. Gwen and Chris coming up next right here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Bye-bye. Thanks for downloading the John Cantera Show On Demand. And remember, you can always listen to my show as well as on-demand audio from Ben and Woods, Gwen and Chris, and other Intercom San Diego stations using the Radio.com app. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 